When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that asks you what you want to be when you grow up so you can graduate into retirement with purpose and passion. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and today I have a podcasting celebrity and author on our show. Uh, Laura Cathcart Robbins is the host of an incredibly popular podcast, The Only One in the Room, and the author of the forthcoming Simon & Schuster memoir called Stash, which will be out this March. She's been active for many years as a speaker and school trustee and is credited for creating the Buckley School's nationally recognized Committee on Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Justice. Her recent articles in HuffPo and the temper on the subjects of race, recovery, and divorce have garnered her worldwide acclaim. She's a 2022 TEDx speaker, an LA Moth Story Slam winner, and currently she sits on the advisory boards of the San Diego Writers Festival, the Outliers HQ Podcast Festival, you can find out more about her on her website, and you guys are going to love Laura. She's an incredible guest. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and thank you for that introduction. That was great. I haven't heard all of that read at once in a long time. Well, you know, I, I don't normally do a full introduction, but I, I felt like it would not do you justice not to because uh-huh. there's you, you've been involved in so many extraordinary things. I was fortunate enough to guest on your show, The Only One in the Room, which was, and I, I've been doing podcasts now for, for better than half a decade. I've been mm-hmm. on hundreds of shows, and I can honestly say that was one of the most enjoyable uh, experiences as a guest I've ever had, and I love your show. And I hope people, after they after they listen to ours every Thursday, I hope they'll check yours out too. So um, I'm so glad to have you. This is going to be fun, and it's great that you're in the hot seat instead of me. And I know we're going to talk yes. about the new book, the new book, which I, I, I did not get an advanced copy of. So maybe I have to wait until oh. March like everybody else. Uh, no, but I'm excited to read it. Okay. I'm excited to read it. Um, so, so why don't we start with with your background because your 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 story is inspirational in and of itself. So why don't we begin mm. at the beginning uh, and and hear about your uh, your journey? We will. I mean, thank you for that. And I just wanted to say first about your appearance on our show, the only one in the room. My my personal financial guy has listened to it and shared it with everyone that he knows and his company and all of his colleagues. He just thought it was extraordinary that you were calling out something that um, they all live with. And, you know, every once in a while, maybe someone acknowledges, which was how, you know, how uh, male heavy your industry Mm -hmm. is. And you're being the only man in that room um, really enlightened you and, and created this activism in you, which, you know, yeah. he just he just thought it was phenomenal. So I just wanted to give you that prop. I don't know if I ever got back to you and told you that. Oh, so. well, that's that's uh, that's high praise, especially coming from another financial advisor. So that's always yes. that's always yeah. nice. So thank you for thank you for sharing with that. Yes, this our business is about eighty eight percent male. 
which yeah. is in today's day and age kind of a shocking thing. And I, I believe that it starts with girls in school being taught that they're not good at math before they're even old enough to know what they're good at. Right. But right. we talked about that on your show. I want to talk about you. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so my background is a really long story. Um, but I'll just start with, I, I grew up between the cities of Cambridge, Mass. I was born in Chicago. So I was in Cambridge, Mass from like 5 through 13. And then Berkeley, California from 13 to 20. Um, I live in Los Angeles. I've been here since 1988. And um, I did not finish high school. I dropped out in the 10th grade. And I never went to college. So that happened during those Berkeley years. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I, I thought I would be a commercial director. That's I love commercials, uh, which is very rare now because no one even sees commercials anymore. But I moved here to direct commercials. I ended up, um, I've always written, like I've always, I've always had a journal. I've always written stories. And I ended up um, writing press releases for a friend of mine who had a very famous brother that she was doing publicity for, um, got hired at a PR firm, later opened my own. I had the only Black-owned um, entertainment um, publicity firm in Los Angeles at the time. And I had, it was a boutique firm. I had about six people working for me. And I, I, I grew that company until um, I got married and pregnant, and then I shuttered the company, and I was um, an at-home mom for about 15, 16 years, and so now I'm in my 50s, and um, do you want me to keep going? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely i mean you're you're not you're not that much older than that we're almost at the end here so we're all right, right. <laughs> okay. well i was gonna say in in my <laughs> 40s i actually went to treatment for a really intense um pill addiction and i had i was the parent association president i'm actually wearing the um, necklace that is bestowed upon the outgoing parent association association president at my kids' former school. Um, I had just been asked to join the board that she read about at the the top of the show, the board where I still sit as ex officio, and I was I was dying um, with a drug and alcohol addiction, and I I had solved everything else, you know, like I had all these hacks. I hadn't graduated from high school, didn't go to college, but I had hacks around that. Still opened my own company, still was really successful. I, I, I was in a very high profile marriage and kind of ran the marriage successfully. And then there was this thing that I couldn't, I couldn't figure out. I couldn't hack it. So I went to treatment and, um, and then what happened was I got divorced at the same time. So, and, and they, those were not two mutually exclusive things. There was, there was some overlap there, but, um, we, we really made a decision, my ex-husband and I, to continue to raise our children together. So that's what I devoted my time to. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't write or read after uh, after that. I just, when I got sober, it just took that ability away from me for pleasure. Um, mm -hmm. I obviously read emails and wrote thank you notes and like right. that kind of thing. But I, right. I didn't, I was a voracious reader before. And so 
in in my 50s, I started taking writing classes again with the hopes of kind of regenerating that love that I had, that passion. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I was effectively retired um, because I didn't have to go to a day job at that point. But I, mm-hmm. I wanted something in my life. And um, so I started taking those classes and you want me to keep going? Well, let's let's unpack it a little bit because okay, because okay. first first of all, thank you for for sharing so openly and transparently with us because I, I think that it's important. You know, a lot of times, people see um, others' success yeah. and assume assume lots of things about them. So, successful people are sometimes assumed to oh, they must have had it easy growing up, or they must have been born into money where they must have gone to the Ivy League, where they must have had X, Y, and Z. And, you know, you had a couple of interesting, for lack of a more graceful term, strikes against you yeah. to, to break into that. And, you know, you're not the first person who said, oh, I think I'll go to L.A. and get involved in, in some kind of production work. Like, no one's ever yeah. thought to do that. It's kind of like no one goes to New York thinking they're going to be a Broadway star. Right. No one thought of that. So, so you're entering a, a wildly hyper-competitive environment in a, uh, in a city that, that um, I know New York doesn't sleep, but LA, LA really doesn't sleep as far right. as I'm concerned. And, yeah. and, and so you, you, you were doing a lot of reading, you were doing a lot of writing, and your creative juices were at least partly, or you believed they were partly, created by some substances, I would think. You know, there, there, are, uh, there, there are stories about some of the, the great poets or artists or musicians or other folks who claim that that, that was part of the key to their success. I, 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 don't, I can't fathom that's true, but, but I think people believe it. So how did that start? Like, how did you, how did you go from uh, seemingly having it all together mm-hmm. to allowing that to, to eat at you from the inside? Because I think that's really what happened, right? Yes. Um, I know that there's a really great expression for this and I can't think of what it is, but it's something like it happened slowly then all at once. Um, so it wasn't like I was, well, well okay. What happened was I, I wasn't, my kids were born back to back boys, amazing mm-hmm. boys. They're amazing mm-hmm. adults now. Uh, they were what I know that we call now spirited children, <laughs> which make, they were just really energetic and into everything, um, even as babies. And I was having a really hard time sleeping. So I was prescribed Ambien for sleep. Um, and I'm not villainizing Ambien at all. It's, it's a really good drug when it's used as prescribed. And um, I enjoyed the sleep that I got while taking it so much that I took it longer than it was originally suggested. It was prescribed to me, but he had said, take it for 10 days. Um, Those 10 days were the best sleep I'd ever had. So I wanted to take it every night, basically. And that's, it didn't, it wasn't that the first year, but by the second year I was taking it every night. And then by probably the third year, I needed to take more of it in order to get to sleep. Um, And maybe by the fourth or fifth year, I was doctor shopping, meaning getting a prescription from more than one doctor because I didn't want them to. Uh, al- I didn't want to alert them to the fact 
that not only was I not able to get to sleep without this medication, the dosage that I had prescribed myself at this point, mm, but mm-hmm. I could not sleep at all without it. I had what they call rebound insomnia, which is a terrible, terrible thing. It's an effect of overusing benzodiazepines or whatever they're called, benzos. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you stop taking the thing that was sedating you, it makes you wired. Um, and it is impossible physically to get to, to get back to a, a what I felt was like a normal state without the pill that got me there in the first place. Um, so that's that's really how it happened. It happened over a number of years. I was, um, you know, I, I described you my life a little bit. I had two young kids. Mm-hmm. I was showing up at school. I was giving speeches. I was joining this board. I was giving dinner parties. I was taking tennis lessons. Um, I had a personal shopper at Barney's. I went with the girls to tea and to jewelry parties. But the work for me was keeping up with and then hiding this addiction, which is why wow. the book is called Stash, My Life in Hiding. Um, and it details the 10 months that I'm describing for you now where I file for divorce and the addiction gets really bad and I end up going to treatment where I meet my hun, Scott. Mm-hmm. I met him the mm-hmm. hour I checked into treatment at the Meadows in Wickenburg, Arizona. And then coming back here and to LA from there and being a sober mom, being a mom, like all of that stuff was so scary uh, and um, humiliating, honestly. I was... I felt like I had taken this huge fall from grace and I no longer had the husband that I had been known to have. And I was single and I felt like I had failed and that, you know, I just didn't know how I'd be received. And so I tried not to see anybody for a while, but that didn't work because I was still PA president and still on this board. So (laughs) I still had to see people and, um, and that's that was uh, August 14th, 2008, when I left treatment. So that was the last time I had a drink or a drug was, well, I mean, it wasn't the last time I had been sober since I had been in treatment for a month at that point. So okay. I, I haven't had anything since then. Well, first of all, uh, congratulations, because that Thank is uh, that is a daily struggle and incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard because it's so ingrained in our society and our social culture. Yeah. And you yeah. can't watch TV or open a magazine or or even read a story without right. references to the things that, that you're talking about. Um, so on paper, on yes. paper, you had kind of this dream life. You're, you're the mom, Absolutely. you're the wife, yeah. you're the, you're, you're well to do. You're, you're a wealthy person at this point. Um, and wealth is a, a funny word to find lots of different ways, but for all accounts, yeah. you were a wealthy person living a high profile life. You had it all. Yeah. At least people thought you did. Yes. Um, and so you were functionally retired then. I mean, you, you know, you, you weren't, you didn't have to work. You chose right. to do some things, but you, you didn't have to work. So by definition, you were financially independent. Yes. How did that change after divorce? Did, did the divorce create a lack of financial independence or were you still sort of financially okay afterwards to where you could move on to the next chapter? You know, that word okay is funny, isn't it? Because yeah. what's okay yeah. for one person may not be okay for another. And, um, you know, I, I was 
really fragile and vulnerable um, when when my ex-husband and I got divorced. And what I was looking for at that point in my life was not wealth. I was just looking to be okay in, in my terms, which mm-hmm. meant that I could continue to be an at-home mom, continue to take care of our boys the way I've been taking care of them. Um, well, not the way I've been taking care of them, but prior <laughs> to. <laughs> sure. And um, live in the same home that I didn't want mm-hmm. my boys and I to have to move. Um, and I, you know, I just, I wanted to be comfortable, but I wasn't interested in, in gaining anything. And, um, that's, that's what happened. That's what happened when we got divorced. I got those things and I, I was, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed. The hustle to pay my bills just didn't exist for years afterward. I just mm-hmm. didn't have, I could focus on my sobriety. I could focus on my boys. I could focus on service work, you know, the, mm-hmm. at the school and outside of the school, I, I did a lot of service work. I always did a lot of service work, but I could focus on that. And I felt like those were the right priorities to focus on. Mm-hmm. So I'm really grateful that I didn't have to focus on the other thing. Right. Um, sure. But where I am now, it would be really nice to make some income and, or to have an income. And uh, so this is part of the reason for me starting, you know, at age 55, I guess, I started writing the book proposal for Stash Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. because I'm 58 now. So yeah, that was about three years ago. with this idea in mind that if I can make a living, so I heard in this meditation, you and I were talking about meditation. Um, mm-hmm. I heard in this meditation a few months ago that if you make a list of everything that you're good at, and then you make a list of everything you love to do, and then cross-reference that, yep. where they where they align, that's your purpose. And writing was right at the top for me with both. I love to write and I'm great at it. So if this is my purpose, maybe I can make money with my purpose. And mm-hmm. and if not, I don't, you know, I find something else, but I wanted to take that shot. And uh, so I did, I, I started the process. Well, I, I wanna talk about the book um, yeah. for sure, but, but before we dive into the book, I wanna talk a little bit about the podcast because sure. the podcast to me in a very crowded space, there are a million plus podcasts. No, not only has your show become wildly popular, I, I consider it to be intensely unique and purposeful. Mm-hmm. And there, there are a lot of podcasts that, that frankly don't, don't accomplish that. We certainly are trying to do that here. And it, it's not easy to stand out in a crowd, but you've had some extraordinary guests on um, yeah. and, and had some really in-depth conversations. And a lot of it has to do with, with privilege and with race and with other heavy topics that today are now being sort of slapped on billboards and and becoming punchlines um, yes. a little bit more than maybe they should and and so you invite you invite me onto the show uh, I think begrudgingly at least initially although I understand our executive producer was was like. 
was like on you to to make it happen. She was. But 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 I was I was an outlier not only in the story that I told but also on your show. Um, yeah. How did how did the show come to be? How did you come up with the only one in the room? I I love it. But how did you do it? Thank you for that. And yes, and 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 Sarah was relentless. She was amazing. Um, and and really, what she needed or what I needed from her was just I needed your only one story, which she finally gave to me and was brilliant and we hadn't had it anything like it before and we have a, we have over 600 episodes now we just i just went through and looked to see how many episodes we have i'm like wow it's a lot of episodes so to have a, a story that's unique is is pretty amazing um anyway i the way that started was um back to um i'm looking to write this book the mm -hmm. thing that I was advised to do was to create an author's platform. I knew nothing about this. And I was actually advised by an agent that rejected me. Um, she said, uh, you're a beautiful writer. I love your writing. I love this idea. This is a pro uh, book proposal that I had sent her. Mm -hmm. It was far mm -hmm. too long. It, it, it was it was the wrong proposal anyway, but I didn't know. I just mm -hmm. did what I had you know, learned to do and Everybody sent me a standard rejection. She sent me back a rejection with a, an emailed paragraph that said, you're a beautiful writer, nobody, but nobody knows who you are. And memoir is the hardest thing to sell. And if mm -hmm. no one knows who you are, I can't sell you. So it's business, right? It doesn't matter mm -hmm. that it's a beautiful story or I'm a beautiful writer. The business part of this is they need to sell books. And right. memoir is the hardest thing to sell because people only want to read about you if they're interested in you. Why would they want to read your life story if they don't know who you are? Fiction is a whole different thing. But anyway, so she said, why don't you do some things like get some articles published, which I had had none published at that time. Why don't you try some storytelling like The Moth? Why don't you get some paid speaking gigs? Why don't you um, do a few talks and get those on, on film, you know, like so that you can get a website start putting mm -hmm. some stuff together, maybe start a podcast. That was the last mm -hmm. sentence in that line to mm. me. So, I mean, in her email to me, and I hadn't even listened to a podcast at that point. And this was, mm -hmm. uh, this was 2018. And I hadn't listened to a podcast, but I decided to take a podcast class. And the class was a six week intensive course. And you basically created a your trailer for your podcast at the end. And we went and recorded it at KPRW, which is our local public radio station here. Um, during that class, I had to listen to a lot of podcasts and report back on them and we discussed them. At the same time, based on this woman's feedback, I had gone to a writer's retreat called Brave Magic that was given by Elizabeth Gilbert and Cheryl Strait up in the Santa Cruz mountains so excited because Elizabeth Gilbert wrote Eat, Pray, Love and Big Magic, which is one of my favorite books. Cheryl Strait wrote Wild, which is like the epitome of the type of story that I wanted to write. And to be sitting with them for three days was just like heaven. And so, and it was, and I, but I got there and there were 600 people there. It was a really well attended event. The 600 includes the people that work at this, this space, 1440 Multiversity. And I was the only black person there for three days. So mm. I'm taking this podcasting class. I've gone to this retreat for three days 
And so for three days, I'm having this amazing experience because it is Elizabeth Gilbert, who they call Liz, and it's Cheryl Strayed. And I took two blank notebooks and I filled them up. Like, it was incredible. But at the same time, I keep looking for affinity and finding none. And I felt very aware of my Blackness there the whole time, which is in smaller spaces, it's almost never the case. You know, mm -hmm. I walk into a, a classroom and I'm the only Black person there. There's 26 people. I barely notice. But 600 people was mm -hmm. really stark. So mm -hmm. I wrote about it and I ended up pitching it out as an article on a Saturday. And on Monday, the Huffington Post published it. It was my first published article. It went viral instantly. And mm -hmm. I started getting all of these responses, people, all races, all colors, all over the world saying, I get it. I know what it's like to feel alone in a room full of people. And during that week in podcasting class, she's like, you need to pick a title for your project. And a lot of those responses were hashtag the only one in the room. And we were both like, my teacher and I were like, that's such a cool hashtag. We should use that. So <laughs> we called my project the only one in the room and finished the class. And a friend of mine who saw a picture that I snapped while I was recording the trailer um, asked if they could be on the podcast. Like two weeks later, I'm like, oh, it's not really a podcast. I just took a class. And they're like, well, you should start that podcast and I can help you. And he did. And so we launched, that was December of 2018. We launched in 2019. And that's how it came to be. And we decided to tell the stories of all those people who had, or like the stories that, that had come to me and said, I'm the only guy in a wheelchair in the room. I'm the only divorced person in the room. I'm the only one who has kids with special needs. You know, so all of these different stories were the stories that we decided to tell. The idea being that, you know, people might become more aware of inclusivity. They hear all these different stories and maybe they walk into a room to see what's missing. You know, is there um, access in this room for a wheelchair? How does somebody who's on crutches get in here? Um, are, why, what is the dominant culture in this room and why, where are the other people? You know, can the, a person who's hard of hearing hear this person who's speaking without a microphone. Like all of those inclusive things, all those stories we tell on our show. And the hope is that people become like inclusion ambassadors everywhere they go. I, I hope people will check out your show. I had no idea there were 600 episodes. That's amazing yeah. because that means yeah. binge, lis binge listening that will, yes. will take a month. So uh, plan on an interesting month, pack the snacks and get going. There you go. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the book now because the book is new. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it is on my it is on my immediate will read list, um, but I haven't seen it yet. So you, you told us a little bit about the a little bit about the fact that it's a memoir and you told us the name of it and why. What else can you tell us about the book? Well, I think what's really important because I'm a first time author and I'm learning this, and this is just fascinating to me, was how it comes to be. Like 
that author's platform that Anjali Singh, that's the woman's name, the agent who rejected me that I've tried to reach back out to and I get an automatic reply. Um, I just wanted to thank her. Uh, mm -hmm. Every step of this process, you know, and I'm, I, well, so I, I, I sent the pages, some of the pages that I wrote to a friend of mine, Holly Whitaker, you just showed her blurb that she did for me. She's a New York Times bestselling author. She wrote the book, Quit Like a Woman. So it's in the recovery genre. Um, I sent those pages to Holly and Holly sent them to her agent in November of um, 2020. Her agent signed me immediately and said, how quickly can you get this book written? And I, I just cleared the decks. I wrote from 11 to 7 every day for six months. I turned it into her in April. And that's, that's actually, I was sending her pages as I went along, but I turned in a completed mm -hmm. manuscript to her in April. Um, she shopped it out in September of 2021. Um, I was, my, the book was purchased at auction by one of the big five with this one happened to be Simon & Schuster. And at auction literally means they, that the big five were bidding against each other for it. So that was incredibly heady and a great experience for a first time author. Um, and then I go through the editing process with the editor that I was working with. And, um, and now the book's coming out in March. And it's everything that I did to prepare for this vis-a-vis -vis the author's platform, you know, the networking that I did, you know, and the conferences that I went to, the cards that I gave out, the cards I, I, I received and followed up on, um, the, the friendships that I've made have all come into play uh, down to like my launch events that I'm, I'm booking. Like I'm doing so much of that on my own. So much of this is on the strength of my contacts that I created while I was creating this author's platform. So my favorite part of, of writing a book is the writing, but there is also that business part, which has to be satisfied. If I'm going to sell books, if they're going to be able to sell me and make money off of me, I have to carry a lot of the weight. That's why they make authors do a book proposal with a complete mm -hmm. marketing component. Um, you know, because it's 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 on you really to sell these books. Yeah. And you know, I I don't I I don't know where my sales stand at this point, but the hope is that because of all this groundwork that I've done, I'll be able to come out of the gate. Um, with some really decent sales, and you know, I have a, I have a few production companies interested, which is really amazing. Um, I've had a couple of video calls with people that I've only seen in film, <laughs> and wow. yeah, That's I just cool. tried. It's very cool, very cool. I try not to fangirl out the whole time and like be. No, you, you know, can't. You you can't. You have to. They have yeah. to be just other people. You know, yes, um, yes. Although you should probably play yourself, you know that, right? Oh, come on! <laughs> I'm serious. I'm, I'm serious. No, thank you, but yeah, no, no. It's that's <laughs> that's why I wanted. I wanted to be behind the scenes. You know, I never wanted mm -hmm. to be in front of the camera. I never wanted to be an actress. Um, I always wanted to be directing. Like that's my thing. But writing is oh, like so. Directing. Basically, basically being the boss, bossing people around yes. is your thing. Yes, 
Yes. Okay. Scott, Scott, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 I get what that must be like. <laughs> I get it. Well, uh, so we are we are getting close to out of time. I could talk to you yeah. all day. Um, I, I do want to to ask you the two most important questions that I have today. Um, the first is, what do you want to be when you grow up? I I would, gosh. So my my first answer is, I want to continue to write whatever that looks like. Uh, whether I'm publishing or it's writing for um, myself or writing for other people or writing for people in recovery. Like, I just want to keep writing. Uh, the, the second answer is when I grow up, I don't want to have any red in my ledger. I don't want to have any unfinished business with anyone. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to run into anybody on this earth in the grocery store and engage them in a conversation instead of turning my cart around the other way. And so that's, sure. that's what a lot of my earlier sobriety was dedicated to. And now it's a lot of keeping my keeping up and keeping my side of the street clean. And I would like to continue that and make sure that when, when I'm a grown up, I'm good. And I, it's, it's just all black. I'm, I don't owe anyone anything, but I can be generous and curious mm -hmm. um, with everyone. Very cool. And lastly, because yeah. we, we, we believe in extra credit here, but not in homework, <laughs> yeah. you have an extra credit assignment for our, for our listeners and viewers today. I do. I really do. And that goes back to the reason I started the podcast. Um, my extra credit assignment for anyone listening uh, you know, whatever your world looks like, every room that you walk into, make sure that you are checking around to see who's missing and to, if there are voices that are missing or access that isn't available, make sure you go to the powers that be and say something. You don't have to challenge them. It doesn't have to be confrontational. It can be just like, hey, I was looking around and I noticed that there aren't ways for these people to have access or hear or be here, or I just noticed that there's little um, visible diversity in the room. And I'm wondering if there's something we can do about that. It's a great assignment. And I, I shall check that on off my list of things to do as well. Um, this has been such fun. Where can folks get either an advanced copy or, or if we have to wait until the launch, where can folks get Stash? <laughs> Okay, so uh, the our website, which is the only one pod.com, as soon as you open the website, there is a, a pre-order page right there. Yeah. Um for the that's book. Subtle. You can just, no, that's very yeah. subtle. <laughs> very subtle. Make sure they get through that here. first. Yeah, no. Yes, not. <laughs> yes. Buy the book, please. Um pre-order it. And if you do pre-order it, it will arrive right on March seventh when it releases. So very cool. Well, I, I wish you tremendous success with the book and the podcast mm -hmm. and with adulting, though I encourage you never to actually grow up entirely. Um, I appreciate you know, that. I can't, I can't wait to see you at a conference someday because, you, you know, you say you go fangirl. As a podcast mm -hmm. host, I'm fanboy right now. So uh, this has been fun. This has been fun for me. Um, I hope our, enjoy, our, our audience enjoyed you. I hope they'll check you out. Uh, the show, the book, everything. Um, and I, I thank you and uh, don't ever retire. Keep, keep, you're changing lives. So don't ever retire. Graduate all you want, but don't ever retire, okay? 
Thank you, Eric. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here, Laura. I'd like to thank all of you for listening and watching today. We'd love to hear from you. So please send us a message or leave comments at don'tretiregraduate.com or on social media. If you enjoy our show, don't keep it a secret. Share it with friends and family so they can join you on your journey to financial freedom. And please leave ratings and reviews in your favorite podcast platform. They're priceless to us. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is Eric Brotman reminding you, don't retire, graduate. Don't Retire, Graduate is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.